Hi, McCall. Hi, Kirsty. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Not bad. We're making it through the summer. Um, I'm excited that we had uh, some cooler weather about a week or so ago, and we have some cooler weather that's on the way because fall is my favorite time of year. This heat and humidity has just been oppressive. Yes, it has. I'm a little over it uh, as well. Um, so I think that everyone will be welcomed to the middle of August, which not just for us, but the eastern United States is looking like we may trend a little cooler than normal. Uh, that is a good thing. Uh, last week, we had our agricultural friends on talking about uh, the drought and the dry summer that we've had. And, you know, yes, cooler than normal, but it does look like we may trend still a little drier than normal as well, which they are not exactly thrilled about that. But at least we're in better shape locally here in the Miami Valley than we were last year. So, you know, hopefully they get some decent, decent weather. But our guest yeah. this week, I'm just excited to kind of jump in because this is something that we really haven't done. This is a, a company specifically where they have a weather operations, um, they have meteorologists, it's not just in the United States, it's global, and they actually uh, are in charge of one of our favorite weather apps, which is RadarScope. Uh, so if you are yeah. a weather nerd, a meteorologist, uh, somehow um, you have a phone app, and if you have not heard of Radar Scope, then I think you live under a rock. So uh, this will be a good podcast for you to learn more about it. Uh, and the man who we're going to bring on, Rennie Vendeweg, is uh, going to be really our liaison into the Radar Scope world. But he's going to talk a little bit more, which, McCall, we like to also highlight if you have a meteorology degree, different uh, professions that you can go into. And I think that this is, uh, Rennie in particular, has very impressive resume. So he is the Vice President of Weather Operations at DTN, uh, and he's responsible for developing strategic direction for DTN's weather businesses that serve aviation, energy, offshore shipping, transportation, and sports and safety markets, which, of course, as a meteorologist, you oftentimes think of just television meteorology, but this is a great company that really touches on how important weather is to so many different industries. So before Rennie joined the private weather industry, he actually was the director of broadcast meteorology program at Mississippi State, which, spoiler alert, I got my bachelor's of geosciences from Mississippi State through distance learning, so <laughs> I am a bulldog as well. Uh, he was the advisor. He trained more than 200 broadcast meteorologists. Uh, he was also on air at WTOK in Meridian, Mississippi, in Kansas City, uh, and of course he then covered Hurricane Katrina when he was working in Mississippi. So, Rennie, welcome. As well, I mentioned, you, we've literally dabbled <laughs> in every facet. This is I, we're I honored. Have, like undiagnosed, you know, ADD or something. Because <laughs> I've, I've really tried to not to, not to make fun of that, but. <laughs> I've really found a lot of different interests in the weather industry. It's been fun to see the perspectives, um, being on the television side to start. And, and really, that's where I thought my career would go, mm -hmm. um, was to be in television the whole time. And a month in was Hurricane Katrina. And that was a life-changing event for me as it was for everybody on the Gulf Coast. Um, and it, it taught me that maybe I want to try other avenues to get the word out about weather. And so it was really fun to teach for a while, um, teach the, the aspiring broadcast meteorologists. You know, I, I'm sure it's true for you guys. It almost seemed like a far-fetched dream. Yeah. Can I get on television? To right. do weather? And, and to get that kind of 
I felt luck to get to do that and then spread that with other students that had that dream was, it was a very rewarding time in my life to work in that avenue. But I grew up in, yeah, I grew up in a family that, that worked in, in business. And so I've always kind of had a business bend to myself as well and thought weather and business is a pretty interesting avenue. And so for the last six years or so, um, that's what I've been focused on. Wow. So I'm curious how each transition happened. Were you just figuring it out and things just landed in your lap or, I mean, how does that evolve? Because I I feel like sometimes it's when we watch people from television, moving out of television, it just seems like an opportunity presented itself and you decided I'm fortunate enough to be able to walk through that door. It did. It was interesting. I went through the broadcast meteorology program at Mississippi state um, for my master's degree. Mm -hmm. So I was on campus uh, for, for a few years in Starkville. And in fact, when, and I, and I worked at that Meridian job at the same time. Right, um, so they're would, very close, right? Would, yeah, they're about 90 miles apart. So I yeah. would work, I was in grad school. I was a teaching assistant as part of grad school. And then on the weekends, I would drive to Meridian in the weather. And I had no social life for about a year and a half. Right. Um, which was probably good for my education too. Yeah. Um, but uh, you're right. So when I left and I went to Kansas City, I grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska. And so that was a chance for me to get really close to home, yeah. weather that I love um, in the Midwest and so forth. And I got a phone call because the previous director had moved on to the Weather Channel. And they said, would you have any interest in leading the program? And I, I wasn't that far out of school. I was only two years into my broadcast career, but I had sort of sensed a digital revolution going on in TV. So this was 2006, 2007. Oh, okay. When I applied to jobs just months before, I had to send out VHS discs, you know, and, and to build those resume tapes, it was just an unbelievable <laughs> amount of work just to apply right. for the job. So at first I said, no, I think I want to keep going down TV, but they kind of kept pestering. So I went and interviewed and, and somehow, you know, was, was lucky enough to get offered the job. And so for the first couple of years, it was all about getting away from the analog way of doing television into, and, and I remember our students would get broadcast to a cable station that maybe five people watched, you know? Right. And I thought, here's YouTube where we can show off the students anywhere across the country. Let's, let's try this brand new thing called YouTube. So, so that was that transition. And then as I did that for seven or eight years, I was fortunate to meet some really interesting individuals in, in the weather industry. Mm-hmm. James Spann was just next door in Birmingham and he's always kind of had a business bend to him. And then I I forged a great relationship with Bruce Thomas, who was at Midland Weather Radio for a long time. Oh yeah. And Bruce worked at the same station I did in Kansas City. And so we, and I said, how did you get out of TV into, you know, private? And he said, you know, told me a story and said, I want you to to meet a guy in in Norman as my lights keep flicking on here. Um, I I want you to meet a uh, a guy in Norman, Oklahoma named Mike Isles. He was the president of Weather Decision Technologies. And we met in a, and we talked about some business plans. And about a year later, he said, why don't you come out to Norman and join our company? Um, and so we were WDT for five years. And then about a year ago, we were acquired by DTN. Okay. So it's been, it, it has been relationship focused. Mm-hmm. I think it's been luck at times. Um, 
but I've also tried to keep my eye on, on being flexible with opportunities out there in exploring, not just taking a job, but what could I do with a job if I got that opportunity and, and try to see the revel, you know, the change in, in innovation that's going on in all of our sectors of meteorology. It's fascinating. So it's been fun to play in all of those. I think that's well, wonderful. I, I do too. And I think that Kirsty will probably agree with me in this industry, it is a very small industry, even in television and outside of that. And it does um, really lend itself to making those connections. And that's always what I try to tell interns, make those connections, make sure that you have good relationships because you never know who's going to know who down the line. And I think people coming in and out of TV and into out of television jobs, you know, you might meet someone down the road that will remember you and remember that impression that you left. Sure. And, and I would also tell the up and coming meteorologist to develop as many other skill sets as you can. Think about this for, for your guys career, for example, who would have thought you'd been when you were in meteorology school that you'd have a podcast, right? <laughs> it's not even that's not anything you would think about when you're sitting in thermodynamics. <laughs> But yet having that skill, it gives you the opportunity to expand and grow your career. And so it's always been meteorology is the core of what I love, learn and do. But it's how does that impact consumers, businesses, people, safety, all of those items are important and in, in weather plays an impact in them. Let's talk about that a little bit more because I think a lot of um students when they go through their meteorology program sometimes they just think it's either the weather service or television but and maybe this is just me i feel like more and more companies are seeing how impactful uh, big weather events can be and it's not just you know oil and gas or agriculture um but you know to anything can can basically be impacted by weather if it impacts your manufacturing, um, how you're getting things where they're going. We are very close with a meteorologist who works for Assurance. So he um, actually, you know, is the meteorologist that helps depicting where they need to send uh, more of their staff if there's a hurricane that's going to make landfall because they know there'll be more claims there. So um, why don't you talk specifically about DTN and how a meteorologist can be involved in how specifically you're involved with your operations. What's your mission? What are you guys doing on that day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and to be honest with you, it's varied um, and changes day-to-day. -day. What, what we ultimately do is we recognize that we're actually, we don't think of ourselves as a weather company. We think of ourselves as a data technology company that leverages weather mm -hmm. to find insights for businesses. And there's, I am, um, so impressed daily at the ways weather actually impacts business. There's the, there's the obvious examples where um, let's say you take the Ohio State University or um, Cincinnati or Dayton and mm -hmm. they're, they're playing football or playing baseball and there's lightning. There are rules around that. So we serve, we help with regulations so that teams can operate safely and within rules. If lightning strikes within eight miles, we can push an alert to a user and it notifies them that Number one, you need to stop activity, but then when is it safe to resume is another important part of the equation. Yeah. Um, but then you get into examples like Hurricane Isaias. If I yes, say you did. I, I nailed that. <laughs> um, coming up the East Coast in an extremely populous area, well, now you have power outages that are going to occur, and, and it, it is possible in today's world to predict how many power outages will exist because of weather, that is something that we do. So we work with utilities and we build models 
that look at historical outage data and what weather caused that to build a predictive model that says, hey, over the next three days, the winds may be like this and may cause outages here and there. That allows crews to pre-position themselves to get power restored as quickly as possible. Number one, that's great for the people at home. Right. But there are million dollar, multi-million dollar decisions made. Every hour of power being out is worth a lot of money. Yeah. So ultimately in all of the industries we work in, we're trying to, to affect multiple decisions. They can be political and regulatory. They can be operational and safety. They can drive profit. You talked about the agriculture example. Well, a farmer you know, makes really big dollar decisions on when they're going to plant, when they're gonna harvest, is the field workable, can I spray? We can help drive decisions to make them the most profitable and efficient on the farm. And for any industry that we work in, that's what we're ultimately looking for. So DTN touches way more things than people would realize. <laughs> Um, I always joke about those old BASF commercials. We don't make a lot of products you buy. We make a lot of products you buy better. Yeah. Well, in many cases, we work with a lot of industries to make the consumer safer, have power sooner, buy products cheaper. A lot of the things that we do where we insert weather insights into affect those decisions. I think that's so, I, that's fascinating to me. Um, and again, huge possibilities for someone who is uh, a meteorologist or data savvy or computer science savvy. I'm assuming you said you build models. So do you have modelers um, on your team or people that are like really inclined with code and that kind of thing? Absolutely. Software engineers, uh, numerical weather prediction models. We've got, um, I, I don't know the exact number today. I think it's eight certified consulting meteorologists on staff. Wow. Um, we have a team of 200 operational meteorologists that we consider risk communicators. So they not only look at weather forecasting, but then communicate it to our customers. It, so it is cool. so varied. And then we have people in, in, you know, executive leadership that have meteorology degrees. So we're always trying to make sure that we're scientifically sound to go yeah. along with some of the business insights that we have. So we have meteorologists are, are well scattered throughout our company doing a wide variety of things from day-to-day -day forecasting all the way to programming, software engineering, modeling, et cetera. You guys are global, correct? From what I was That's looking right. at, that is, um, so what, what other, besides the US, what are some other countries you're dabbling in? Yeah, so it, it's a, a pretty global approach. Our headquarters are in uh, Burnsville, Minnesota, which is a suburb of Minneapolis. Okay. We have offices in the US in Omaha, and then here in Norman, Oklahoma, uh, which is where I'm located. Um, and very strategically, by the way, right next door to the National Weather Center. So we're nice. trying to stay on top of, of all the you know, science and research coming out. From a global perspective, so DTN has been on, on uh, quite the acquiring spree here over the last few years. So we acquired Wilkins Weather out of Houston, uh, which gives us a marine focus. Um, we have offices in, in acquired Medio Group in uh, Utrecht, Netherlands, which is just outside <laughs> of Amsterdam. And so that is sort of our European hub, um, as well as the Middle Eastern hub. So we do quite a bit of work in Dubai and, and United Arab Emirates. Wow. Um, then we have an office in Sydney, Australia, 
um, we acquired the company WeatherZone, uh, which is the largest private weather firm in Australia. Wow. So that gives us sort of the Pacific and Asia Pac regions. Um, and we have a development office in uh, Manila in the Philippines. So um, we truly have um, around the clock work going on at all times, meteorologists on several different continents, um, all working together to serve our customers. And and it, it's been a fun transition to move real global like that over the past several month, uh, years, uh -huh. because even at, uh, when we were at WDT and, and DTN prior to these acquisitions, we would have customers that might be based in the U.S., but they operate over the globe. Right, right. So, so even though your core customers may be located in North America, we still need to, you know, care about and and make sure we're providing weather insights equally across the globe, which can be an interesting challenge because as we know, we're fortunate in the United States to have our National Weather Service with a great radar network, right. weather balloons, weather stations, models. That's not always the case when you get into different parts of the world. Um, and so we've had to be innovative in how we approach customers where we may not have that same infrastructure built. That is crazy to think about, but it, I mean, it definitely makes sense. And uh, yeah, definitely all weather service offices are not created equal, depending on where you are in the country. And just, of course, um, weather isn't. And you may have companies that are manufacturing in another, you know, outside of the United States, they sell here. Um, so I can imagine that that definitely keeps it pretty <laughs> challenging and interesting for you guys. It is. I, one, one of my favorite stories of, of learning is we're working with an oil and, oil and gas group out of Colombia, and they work, um, you know, offshore drilling just off the coast in this bay. And they called us up, and, and you'll have to forgive my language a little bit here, but they kept saying, you know, we, we have this phenomena that keeps disrupting our afternoon activities. It would come off the mountains. It's called the chicken ass phenomena. <laughs> And I was like, I've got to tell you, I have a master's degree in meteorology. Right. I've never heard of that one. What is that? <laughs> Turns out that it's a, a cluster of thunderstorms that develops nearly daily on the mountains right off the uh, on shore and kicks out outflow and thunderstorms into the bay every single day. There's oh, no. no radar. Right. And so we, we had to figure out, okay, how can we alert them ahead of time? Because it's costly to position offshore oil rigs in a manner that can take on those winds. And you gotta, you gotta be pretty precise. So we used WERF modeling. Um, we used uh, new GO satellites and uh -huh. lightning data, and we're able to develop a system that provide them advanced warning before the chicken ass phenomenon can hit them every day. Still can't exactly tell you why it's called that, but. Um, but that is phenomenal. I mean, and I think now with like the new satellites yeah. that we have up in space, it really does give us that ability to really see things offshore that we couldn't before. That's right. Yeah, it's been been an incredible investment in innovation. Now, Rennie, I have a question with, with COVID going on and everything. How, how has that impacted your business? Sure. Well, as a business, we uh, have remained very strong. Weather hasn't stopped. Right. And so um, as, a, as a result, you know, we're still providing the same service. I think one of the things I'm most proud of is that we managed in an extremely quick amount of time. Think of that March 12 through 20 timeframe where the world sort of stopped. We took operations, which have been very, there's a lot of infrastructure built in order to provide these operations globally 24-7. And we're able to get our workers remote and safe really fast 
with zero disruption to our employees. And I'm certain you guys had to go through similar scenarios, you know, or how, how am I going to broadcast from home or where? Or right. safety. We had very, very much a, a similar um, uh, process to go through and we did it really well. I'm very proud of our teams for figuring out how to do that quickly. We've kept our employees safe and we've continued to serve our customers. Uh, what's been interesting is um, there's been some articles written about the airplanes uh, yeah. with the lack of airplanes flying. We're, we're really missing a pretty vital source of weather data that feeds our global weather models. And, and so the way that we've approached that at DTN into you know, mitigate the risk or, or, or not have any um, sort of degradation of our, our data is to, and I think we've built infrastructure well for this, is to really utilize the concept of ensemble modeling, mm -hmm. number one. So we're bringing in a lot of data sources, a lot of models both internally run, but the government models we're all used to, to working with. And then secondly, our forecast systems have a human in the loop. So our forecast will create sort of a first guess, uh, and it's a, a good guess, with, with all of those ensembles, but the meteorologists have oversight if they need to adjust a forecast because something isn't quite looking right. right. Um, so we've worked very hard to mitigate the COVID pandemic. I mean, it's there. There are examples where that are unavoidable of, of disruption to business and so forth. Um, but I, I would say that I'm proud of our team for fighting through it, figuring out ways to uh, combat all of the challenges it's brought us and uh, we were quick to learn what a Zoom happy hour was like. Yeah. We, you know, tried to make it the best that we possibly could in, in a really difficult situation. You know, um, so so I'm proud of the team for that. Yeah, but in the broadcast, we feel we definitely very quickly needed to learn how can we access our graphics from home, how can we cut into programming for severe weather from home. Uh, McCall and I switch this podcast from being in a radio studio to uh, keeping ourselves distant and getting that all uploaded. And yeah, I mean, we, we've had to just keep going. I never would have thought, and McCall, you could comment on this as well, in a million years that I would have the technology to completely cover the forecast. And I work overnights. I get in at like one in the morning. So to feel comfortable that I could cover severe weather from my living room, uh, I never thought we'd get there either. I know it, it's it's nice to have that option. Certainly, uh, for me personally, I enjoy being in studio and and being there in the mix of things. But it's also nice that in this type of situation, you can do things remotely, and it's kind of exciting to see where technology is going to go from this mm -hmm. point on. This is kind of like a really big jump off point for that, and more and more people are doing things remotely. So. I'm sure we'll see that uh, increasing quickly as to all of the, the new technologies down the road. Renny, a follow-up question to what you were talking about as far as getting the model data in, <clears throat> excuse me, and then having a meteorologist kind of like look through it and make some changes. Is there just uh, one meteorologist or is there like a team of people that can make that decision to kind of uh, uh, fix things if necessary? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we have a pretty sophisticated set of standard operating procedures that we follow so that we're not, number one, stepping on each other's toes. Um, but our meteorologists tend to have uh, favor an industry that they work in. And those industries typically will have weather perils that, that are more dangerous than others. So, you know, some lightning might be the thing or ice or snow or precip. So we're looking mostly at the impact-based variables 
when's the rain going to arrive? When is a road going to get slippery? And our meteorologist either will have a regional or industrial approach to what they're looking at. What we're working on is, you know, we have a common set of tools that can be used around the globe. And so um, when one person adjusts a forecast, it can be seen by other meteorologists too. It's a, actually a pretty, pretty sophisticated method that we work through in order to be able to handle those scenarios and do so efficiently so that, that we can scale with our customer base as well and, and, and work in new regions as we go. That's really neat. That makes sense, impact base, of course. That's what everyone needs to know, especially uh, when you could have things like lightning or you know a hurricane that could really derail your day-to-day -day operations as a company. Um, one thing that we talked about before we kind of started recording the podcast and McCall showed you on her phone, uh, not just for, you know, you don't have to be in business, you don't even have to be a meteorologist, but uh, you guys are responsible for, I think, probably the most popular uh, radar app that is out there, it, at least in terms of, of truly giving you every radar product that you need, and that is RadarScope. Um, let's talk about that because when I was a new meteorologist, that was one of the first things I downloaded um, and I still to this day will track storms here and we track storms across the country. If there's something big going on or waiting for a hurricane to make landfall, we can do it all off of our phones. And that is thanks to you guys. Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually, I mean, and we joke a lot about the popularity of RadarScope. Um, when we send our RadarScope developers to an AMS conference or an NWA conference, um, they are like rock stars and are signing autographs and taking pictures. It is, it's a cult following, but what's the most interesting, I'm, I'm old enough and have worked in weather just long enough to remember the days before radar scope. And it used, you used to have to go to a TV station or a national weather service office to get products like velocity data right. and look at hail derived products and precip estimate from radar and they were expensive and still are expensive systems to have those enabled to work on television uh, from, from some of the main vendors. And when the iPhone came out, our developers saw an opportunity. And truth be told, when you, when you hear the story, they thought they were going to sell, their goal is to sell a thousand copies of the app to emergency managers in Oklahoma. It was, let's give them, we've got this supercomputer in a pocket, in your pocket now. Let's give them the radar tools they need to be effective emergency managers. They sold a thousand of them in a day oh. <laughs> um, and they're like, wait a second, there's, there's something here. Um, so they started to, you know, became a very big task for that radar scope team. And so WDT acquired that, that app in the group and they are now make up our mobile team that serves all of our mobile products and many of them across our portfolio. Um, but the app is developed. We've, we've been able you know, behind the strength of DTN to put a lot of resources. So it's always on the data's fast. Yeah. We can continue to innovate as, as time goes on with dual pole products. And um, there should be some exciting releases soon where it goes even more global than it is today um, by taking in some of the other radar networks, which is one of the advantages of being a, a global company. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a fantastic tool and it, it made I think the day I realized that we had something big was I, I was lucky enough to have dinner with Chuck Doswell um, here in Oklahoma. Chuck is a big time tornado researcher and somebody is, I was a student I really looked up to and he pulled out his iPhone and he was asking about radar scope and he said, you know, the only reason I have an iPhone is because of radar scope. He actually oh. bought 
So this, this $10 app forced him to buy a $700 phone. And I just, I was like, if the, if the big tornado researcher is, is making decisions like that, we're really onto something. Uh, but it's fun to watch the, the cult following, following and, and, uh, you know, I walk around at airports and see people using, you know, your app. And you're like, wow, this is pretty cool. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's, you know, not only is it a computer in your phone, it's very user friendly. And, and I think the, the fact that it's so easy to use is what I love most about it. Um, and then now, you know, with like a little bit of an upgrade, you get the, the two panel where you can see multiple products at the same time. It, it just makes things really easy when I'm away from the studio to be able to see those type of products, because as you mentioned before radar scope, there, there wasn't that you had to be at your business computer looking at those type of products. So I obviously really enjoy it as does Kirsty and many people <laughs> <Good>. I know. <laughs> well, if you have any, any enhancements you ever want to see, you know who to reach out to. I was going to say, Randy, now that we know you like, Oh, this is, I feel <laughs> <Yeah>. really cool. <laughs> But awesome. I, I do want to, we do want to thank you so much uh, for joining us. And Renny, is there anything, I guess, this year maybe that's new for your company that you would just want to briefly touch on before we wrap up here? Yeah, I think what, what, what we've really seen change in, in the past year, a couple of years is, is really trying to utilize some of the new technologies that you hear about machine learning, artificial intelligence, some of the, the unique technologies that are going to advance weather and uh, the insights that we can create from weather um, to some pretty amazing uh, technological advances over the next few years. That's what we're working on every day. Uh, we're really excited about working with businesses to explore what is weather impacting in their, you know, their bottom line, their safety, their efficiency operationally. And um, it's just, we're, we're having a blast doing it. And, and this year will be remembered for so many you know, horrible things. And, uh, but at the same time, I'm seeing a lot of good come out of this too, and across all of our industries in the weather enterprise, and we're continuing to serve, you know, the general public as well as, as businesses and, and make sure everybody can be safe and operate efficiently. So that's really our, been our focus and is going to be our focus going forward. If anybody wants to learn more about your company, uh, what's the website or do you guys have any social media accounts that anybody could uh, look up? We do, so um, can always visit uh, dtn.com is our website. Um, and we have a few different uh, uh, DTN Twitter accounts, but uh, DTN Weather is the one um, where we uh, post all of our weather information and some you know, up-to-date what's going on now as well as some features about the company and what we're doing with our customers. Um, so yeah, please visit us and, and feel free to reach out. Yeah, I think that's great. Of course, anyone listening that, uh, you know, adding that extra insight when it comes to the forecast and impactful weather, um, you know, this is a great company and you're a great resource and any meteorologist or student that's listening and, you know, uh, Renny just talked about how much his one company can just open the door in the private sector to all these different possibilities for what you can do with your degree, um, whether it's, you know, computer science, meteorology, um, so just in that aspect, Renny, thank you for taking the time to talk to us because I learned a lot. Sometimes I forget what we can do with a meteorology degree and it's not just the weather service or television. So, um, you know, thank you for sharing a little bit about your life. And then of course, for just how uh, powerful DTN has become and, and how much you guys are doing. So thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for the opportunity and, and, um, and for those meteorology students, 
by the way, television and National Weather Service and academia are all awesome avenues yep. to go work in as well. Um, and having experienced them, I, I can't say a negative about any of the, the different sectors I've worked in. It's, it's just a great field to be in. And as always, thank you for listening and perhaps watching Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast. You can download, subscribe, rate us on your Apple Podcast app on Google Play, Stitcher, and you can also visit whio.com if you have a streaming device. You can also watch our vodcast version on Apple Fire, Google Play. Yep. I'm so confused now. <laughs> Well, as, um, on any type of streaming television, just look for uh, WHIO and you can download the app there. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.